Thank you. Did I do it right? Thank you. Okay, everybody. Alex. <laughs> you can take, take all that and make your way off. Thanks. <laughs> okay, oh, my gosh. Folks, the, uh, I, yeah, you know, there was some really good songs from the 90s. I'm pretty sure that wasn't one of them. I'm just going to say, like, I, don't, I don't know. That was rough. But whatever. Uh, we are, yes, if you're new to New Walk, we've just been doing some series where we pulled some 90s songs. This is not an every week occurrence, but having a little fun with it. We have been in a series called Banger, and that series is referencing a word we use in our culture today, especially younger people. They'll say, hey, that song, it's an amazing song. They'll say, it's a banger, uh, something they like to eat, a particular food. They'll say something like that. Uh, but we've been dealing in the spiritual realm, and I wanna talk more about that spiritual groove, that spiritual rhythm that God has called us as believers to encounter and to dig into. And we've been kind of challenging you and together been challenging ourselves for a 2023 where we're really in that spiritual flow. I wanted to close out our series talking specifically about one last area that you need to make sure you're in the groove on spiritually, I think, to enhance your walk with God, not just in 2023, but always. And that's being in the right groove of the work of the church. There's this thing out there in our culture today, and you've maybe heard people say, well, I don't need church to be a Christian. True. But you'll develop slowly into a very unhealthy believer, typically, without the work of the church going on in your life. It's just because of the things that happen in a church, uh, the things that you're connected to that develop your spiritual growth. Uh, uh, The church is almost like um, if you were to consider a wheel or a tire like on a, on a bike and you get the centerpiece and then the spokes going out. Like Jesus is the center, but the church for the development, the accountability, the trained teaching, the uh, next steps opportunities, the church becomes the center for that and so much more throughout the Bible. We know, we see the importance of the church. You'll hear people say, I don't think the church is important. And the reason they're saying that is because they are in error because they do not know the Bible. Over and over again, the Bible is clear about the importance of the church. And you'll hear me say regularly, Jesus not only died for your sin, but scripturally we see he died for the church. The cause that we're involved in right here in America, he died for this opportunity to to gather together as believers. And so I remind you of that uh, because I want to remind you of the importance this year, but also talk about some of the great challenges of being in a church, uh, in particular three, there are many, but let's just say there's three biggies that I wanna bring to your attention in our time together today. I've watched as people who are believers, I, I really, they are, but I've watched them just squander opportunity in the church. I've watched them drift from church to church to church, church shopping, all that kind of stuff. I've watched them bounce around from one place to the next to the next, I've seen them exit a vibrant church, not just Newwalk, others, because they got mad at somebody, because they were upset at something. These things will cause you to uproot, exit, be something like I, I call a tumbleweed Christian, where you're just rolling through the desert with no roots in anything. Putting down roots in the church is critical. I, I've seen people, though, just up and go. I, 
I went to a church one time up in Arkansas and they were talking about how they had a church split. Half their people left because the pastor decided to not wear a tie anymore. <laughs> what? Some of you are younger, like I know he's kidding, right? And those of you who are older, you've been around the church a while, you know this is a real thing. This stuff happens. I'm not coming to church anymore because they took my, the seat that I usually sit in. Somebody else sat in it. Really? I have a parking spot that I always park in and somebody else parked in it this week. I'm mad, I'm upset. Weird stuff. I, here at our church, one time, uh, some of you maybe have been with us when we were back in the YMCA. We had an event, and it's been many years ago, we had an event we did. It, uh, it was called No Serve Sunday. And what we did is we pulled all of our volunteers in and said, do not serve this week. To kind of portray to our church how much is being done. And, and when it's not being done, you don't, sometimes you don't realize it until you actually see it's not being done. And we did things like, you know, uh, in the sanctuary, back then we had these fold-out chairs and we put them all against the wall. And when you came in uh, to where we had our worship area set up, you had to get your own chair and set it up. We didn't have any parking team. It was a free-for-all circus out there. Like, you should have... We, when it came to the coffee and all that, like... Uh, all we did was brew some hot water and throw out instant coffee. And at that place, yeah, whoa, whew, <laughs> that's awful. At that place, this woman came up and she saw that it was instant coffee and she turned around and went home. Uh, you, you hear this stuff and we all laugh about it and yet in moments and times in all of our journey, there are weird things, of course, oddities that happen in the church, things that happen. Uh, how do you handle that? And, and, and not to mention when the pastor uh, is sharing something that's kind of stepping on your toes and how do you handle stuff like that? And what do you do with a pastor who, in a church that's vibrant and growing, who's always kind of pushing you, take another step, take another step, take another, like how do you handle those things? And I wanna share with you that really there's three critical areas you need to pay attention to. So I put in your notes some great challenges to what I would say staying in this banger groove and your walk with God where you're moving in this flow with God in the church. Three things you're gonna have to deal with. And here's the first one. If you're taking notes, you write this down. If you're gonna find success in a church, you have to be willing to avoid obsession with your image. Image obsession. Let me go back to something I talked about last week. Following Jesus is not easy. I said last week, if people who think following Jesus is easy, read your Bible. You'll find out it's not easy. Jesus himself was crucified. That crucifixion, so much to that, you know, it, it's so incredible. Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross and receives that really with that punishment for the sins of humanity on the cross. And his blood is shed. We know that he dies. He's raised from the dead. But that moment of crucifixion, is a, is, it, it's also a bit of a, a symbolism for you and I today. And, and in that, it's like, this is sort of my flesh. And, and God, I, I want to kind of nail that flesh in my life to the cross and I, and I want to be less flesh-led and more spirit-led. And, and, and part of our journey, uh, we, we don't get, you know, we don't, we're not asking for re-forgiveness and re-crucifixion for the forgiveness of our sin, but sometimes we look to the cross continually in our life to say, what areas do I still need to continue to deal with crucifixion on? In other words, to, 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 that need to die, some old things, so that new can come forth. 
some old flesh desires that I've dealt with that, so that spirit-led can come forth. Problem is, in America today, 2,000 years later, you find very few Christians in the church who want to engage in that additional, just like, God, uh, dig in. Dig into my flesh and show me where it is I need to. Like, that uncomfortability of sort of that crucifixion of the flesh. Very few Christians desire that for their life. They want comfortability, they want easiness, and they certainly want to protect their image. And I don't want people to know about things. I don't want people to know about what I'm dealing with, some of my struggles. And so they kind of withhold, they kind of withhold from God. And, and Jesus addresses a group of people uh, during his time in ministry here on earth that is exactly like this. They are very facade-oriented, very like external, but they're kind of playing a game because there's some problems on the inside. They're called the Pharisees. Jesus, he, he's tough on the Pharisees. Think about these guys that we know if we study them, they, they, were, they were full of themselves. These religious leaders is what they were, these religious leaders. They were all about appearance. They were all about image. They were all about information. Look, look, look at all the things I know about God's word. Look at all the things I know. Knowledge, puffed up with knowledge. They wore what would seem to be the right clothes and the right robes, and they had these tassels. And uh, would we say then, here, all of us in the church, I think I talked about this at Christmas in Newark, would we say that because somebody is dressed up and says all the right things and does all the right things, would we we say that that means that they're right on the inside? No. But this group of people love to portray that. They love to say, hey, kind of look at me. We would answer that question and say, absolutely not, because we know that the things that God wants to do, are, it's always about what's here on, on the inside. And yet, 2,000 years later, after Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, let's be honest about this. If you didn't know what I was talking about this weekend, and I just met you out on the street, and I put two people side by side, and I put one guy over here, and he, he, he's in a suit, he is clean cut, he's, it's a very nice suit, and his shoes are shined up, and you saw him standing next to a guy who's, you know, maybe t-shirt and jeans, and I asked you, which one do you think has it all together? We would, we, just, we would drift towards the one in the suit. Now, we don't know what's going on the inside, the fact that his wife hates him, that he's terrible with his family, but, but he looks good, right, on, on the outside. And we make a judgment about the guy who's not dressed up, and yet maybe he's the one that's seeking after God. And, and I think that we have to, if we're gonna find success, we have to be willing to get past that image thing and say, no, God, what are you really trying to do, and the religious people of that time, and even religious people today, they're all about appearances, and Jesus comes at these Pharisees, and he is tough on them, like, you're going to look at an entire, well, we're going to look at segments, but there's, there's an entire chapter, really, where Jesus is all up, like, he is not trying to win friends and influence people, like, he is, you know, not lollipop Jesus with unicorns, like, this is tough. I don't know what you think about him, but you're going to see just in a second, he's going to go psycho Billy Ninja on some Pharisees. And so you, I'm just going to read it to you. Here's what it says in Matthew 23 and verse 25. It says, woe to you, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He calls them, this is brutal here. He says, you 
hypocrites. You know that word. Come on, I, I've shared many times before when you see that word in the scriptures, the definition of it is simply this. A hypocrite, it, during that time, uh, the word hypocrite would, would come from this word where we would say like they're an actor or a stage player. In other words, I put on a facade on stage or I wear a mask, but that's not the real me. I'm just putting on a show. You know, I got the show going on, but when, when well, Hollywood, right? I do, do, the, do my part, but then I walk off stage and I'm not that person. Jesus is calling these guys out. He's saying, you're fakers. Acting like you got it all together, but, but really not. It says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, shiny on the outside, but you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Wow. Holy smokes. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's greed, there's filthiness. On the inside, he goes on, he continues, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. In other words, our healthiness in life flows from the inside, not this sort of external thing. He says, woe to you, teacher of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs. This is another level here which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. During that time, in Levitical law, it would be understood that you, you do not touch anything that's dead. Dead bones, not bodies, it's all unclean, it's disgusting. And right here in this moment, Jesus is saying, you are unclean, you are filthy. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. How does this apply to the church? Well, in a lot of ways, but here's one. If you're going to a healthy, vibrant church, you are typically gonna find in that setting that the pastor is going to be challenging you to go past image. And if you are all about image, you will not like it and you will run from it. And I've seen it happen. Uh, oh, well, he's stepping on, no, no thank you. Stepping on my toes there? No, 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 no. I don't, uh-uh. No, I'm not dealing with that kind of, no. I want something that feels good. I want something that makes me feel like it kind of puts a stamp on my, my desire to look good on the outside. You know what, really, Pastor, all I really care about is putting on the show, and as long as I can just kind of be left in my comfort zone, maybe serve a little, maybe give a little, walk around with my big Bible because I like big Bibles and I cannot lie, and so I got that. And so if as long as I kind of look the part that's all I want is a sort of shallow in, surface level Christianity. But if your pastor is pushing you deeper to move in your faith, he's pushing you to say, hey, hey you, you gotta get uncomfortable. You gotta be willing at times to push past the image. And man, I think especially in the South, some parts of America, we've become so good at this facade. In my home, I have a piece of furniture that my family, or that my, my wife and I, we got one time, was given to us, given to our family, and, and I remember taking it and just, it was really dilapidated on the outside, and so I took it home and I cleaned it up and stained it, and you know, we got it in the home there. It's a pretty nice little finish on it, and it's polished, kind of looks really sharp. Here's what I would say about that. Don't open it up. It's, it's an armoire. Okay, it's an, I should have said that's an armoire. Don't open the armoire. Because inside it, it's messy. First of all, we put all our junk inside there. 
But secondly, I didn't do any work on the inside. I only just kind of cleaned up the outside. And I think in the church, that's what we do. Let me polish the outside. But on the inside, uh uh-uh, don't go there. We bargain with God to say, okay, okay, I'll do a little bit more of this. Just don't, don't touch this area. Pastor's preaching the word. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a little bit of this, God, but, but not over, oh, over there. We bargain or we just simply run from it. Why is it God is so interested in the inside, the trash, the junk, the messiness, the unclean? Why does he care so much? Well, I, I want to share that with you, but I put this in your notes. Uh, just as a reminder, those obsessed with their image never tell people their problems. So what we know is in the grand facade, you will not open up as a human because you don't want people to know things about your life. You will not share struggles in your life. So you will not be open. So you'll continue to wear this shell or this mask or this facade, right? Because you're becoming hypocritical. You want to tell everybody you're this strong believer, but on the inside, don't no, nobody kind of get involved there. So you stay quiet, you go into shell, and you'll always struggle in a vibrant church environment where people are sharing and growing and sharing some of their struggles together because you kind of stay in, in hidden mode. And that's so tiring and exhausting. But why is it that Jesus is so concerned about the inside? Well, we know everything flows from there, but here's the thing. Whatever you're struggling with on the inside, it's going to get found out one day, one way or the other. It just is, man. It just is. And so in the church environment, bringing forth your struggles on the inside, it's a whole different vibe. It's with God's help and God's people, and we're rallying together, and maybe we're in group, and we're sharing, and people are praying for us and encouraging us. Hey, I know you struggle with that. I know this is a problem for you in your life. But man, let, let's all just like really seek God and, and, and help and let's grow together versus you running from dealing with your problems and then one day it comes out in some other way. God says, it says this in, in, in Galatians chapter six. It says, God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. And you think you're hiding? He's gonna bring it out one day, one way or the other. That affair, that adulterous affair, it's coming out one way or the other. That porn addiction, it's going to be found out. Uh, that other addiction, maybe, that thing you've been hiding from people that you, you don't, that anger that kind of rages out at certain moments, it, it's going to happen. And God says, hey, we provide an environment in the family of God to say, let's deal with it with God's help rather than these moments where it just goes off the rails. I love that about our church, challenging to say, hey, let's get past the front image, the facades, and let's be willing to dig deeper. Here's the next thing I put in your notes. You gotta watch out. Like, if you really want to dig deep into a church, you're gonna have to decide this, that I don't follow people, I follow Jesus. I don't follow man, I follow Jesus. Now, it is true that we, people invite people to church, follow you to church and come to church, of course. It is true at the church there are people who are living for Jesus that are very 
it could be very right people for you to pay attention to in the way they're modeling the life. But in the end, everything we should be about in our Christian journey is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. That, that's what's got to be the center. And if it's not, see, it's Jesus that provides the healthy roots. It's Jesus that provides the foundation. It's Jesus that provides the cornerstone, the, cornerstone, the strength for our life. And people, let's just face it, man is shaky at times. We make mistakes. We don't always have it all together. And so if you're following people in the church, you're going to be following potentially some very broken things at times, and you're going to find yourself wondering, like, what's going on? And I've seen this happen at our church, and I've watched as people at our church, other churches around America, where somebody's upset because somebody else did something to somebody. And I'm mad at them, and so, like, I'm not going to church anymore because they go to that church. And that always baffles me because I'm like, we got four services. If somebody comes to this one, just come Saturday night. <laughs> you won't even see them. Anyways. Or, or, you know, this person did this, and so they did this. And, 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 and it's all this weird, ungodly stuff. There was a study that was done recently, and it talked about post-COVID in the church. And it was alarming. Post-COVID in the church, about 30 out of 100 people are leaving that church, a church every year. 30 out of 100. Whew, I mean, we're talking about, I don't know, that's a sizable number. In other words, if I take just 100 of you, 30 of you will not be at this church next year. And so it was saying, Here, here's what's going on in church culture today. And, and I thought, let's unpack the 30. What's within the 30? And it said, it said well, okay, like, um, probably like eight, nine, ten of those are happening from, they're, they're moving. All right, so they move. For, and some of you, that's how you came to Newwalk. You moved, and it makes total sense. Like, you moved, and now you got to find a new church. And so I think those moments make sense. And so you're here, and we're glad you're here. That's awesome. Then maybe it said that, you know, possibly one of the hundred, let's say, one or two, is, is just called by God to something very real and specific for their life. And, and they're moving on, and they're over here to this next place, and that makes total sense. And it said in the statistics, it said, let's just be honest, maybe one of the hundred passes away. And it does make sense that they wouldn't be at the church next year. So you're like, all right, so, yeah. So we end up having, a, you know, like, let's just say 9, 10, 11 of those might make complete sense, 12. So what about the other 18 to 20? Well, the study said what they found is it's just all these other little things. I was mad, I was upset, and blah, 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 and the pastor did this, or the church did this, and I didn't like it, and so we're up and gone. And what, those, what it was saying is those people don't have roots. They don't dig into Jesus. They follow flesh. They follow people. They follow others, but they're not dug into Jesus, and that the church had to do a better job of pointing people to dig in more and more for Jesus, not because we want more and more people necessarily staying at the church, which we do. It's not about that. It's about, hey, pastor, your people aren't digging deeper. They're not getting out of the shallow end of Christianity. And so at our church, we're pushing you to say, dig deeper. Get your roots deeper. Dig in deeper. Don't be what I call, and I call it this, a tumbleweed Christian. Wandering through the desert. Friends are important in the church. But it is Jesus that will give you the right roots to dig in. I love well, uh, this kind of reminder that I'm gonna look at here in scripture. It reminds me of something my mama used to say when I was younger. 
sometimes I would, sometimes I would uh, do things, you know, bad. And my mama would say, why did you do that? And I would say, because my friends did it. And my mama had this line, and maybe your mama said it as well. Well, if your friends walked off a cliff, would you walk off the cliff with your friends? And, well, no, mom. No, I wouldn't walk off the cliff. But you did. And people do this still today. They just walk right off the ledge following people. You ever heard of the old thing, the blind leading the blind? That came from the Bible. Here's what it says in Matthew 15, 14. He replied, Jesus replied, every plant my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. It's a fraudulent root system. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Jesus is saying like, watch out for following ungodliness. Dig your roots in for the things of Jesus first and foremost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the roots. He is he's the centerpiece. Um, the church proclaims Jesus. The church presents for humanity opportunities to grow, to dig in, to move forward in our faith more and more and more. The church provides that, and it's a time in our culture today where we need it more and more, where we have generations of kids who do not know any. They're searching, but they don't know where to turn they're lost in identity crisis. They have no idea who Jesus is. And parents that have floated around like tumbleweed, not dug in, and so their kids are now paying the price because they don't know the things of Jesus like you would think and hope they do. I was at a Christian school not long ago, and I said, you guys studying? What are you guys studying? Are you, are you studying the Bible? Are you studying in the Bible? What is it? You, you in the New Testament? Have you guys done like the, the, the New Testament Gospels? Have y'all y'all been studying? What have you been studying? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and who's the other one? John, you know, but they were silent. Like, is it Rufus? What is it? I'm in a, I'm in a school, Christian school, and they're silent. Well, you know, of course, it was John, right? The one who built the ark. Remember that? No. And it's illiteracy and it's incompetence in the things of the word. And it's, we're seeing this play out all over and over in our culture today. There's no belief. There's no strength. There's no foundation. There's no base because the parents and the families aren't digging in. It's in our kids' ministry where we're helping you as parents equip you. And so we dig in with roots. And then our kids move into student ministry. And Pastor Rusty is embracing and sharing with them the, the things that they need to know at their age. And then we have young adults and adulthood. And the church is just all about let's get our roots deeper and deeper in Jesus. And yet we're moving around more and more and more. The church gives you a place to belong in a culture today where people reject you everywhere. Even in people's own homes, they're being rejected. The church is a place where you choose this family that says, you're here, we're glad you're here, like you belong here. You were rejected in elementary school in your elementary age, we're glad you're in our kids' ministry. You're rejected in student ministry, or students at your school, we're glad you're in our student ministry. You've been rejected at times as an adult, we're glad you're here. Put roots in here where people care and love you. My life has been so richly defined by the incredible nature of the church. By Jesus, by Jesus in the church, 
my digging into the church. I've been in two churches in my life, that's it, really, like that I dug into in my faith. One, I came to know Jesus in and answered the calling into ministry. I've spent five years at that church and then 16 and a half years here, so 21 and a half years dug into the church, dug in. In those early years of my faith, I saw spiritual mentors who were following Jesus. And I was able to watch as they followed Jesus. I watched these men. I watched them as they followed Jesus show me and point me to Jesus and say, learn from Jesus like I have learned so that you can be a good father one day. I wasn't pastor at the time. I said, Gary, 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 look. Uh, dig in to the things of Jesus and learn how to be a good husband. Jesus will equip you. And the church helped me understand that and discover that. I didn't grow up necessarily with like spiritual Jedi. You know, I, I didn't have that. I didn't have, you know, a spiritual sensei. I learned about Jesus through amazing people. I learned through the word of God, of course, but in the church, I, I learned a whole nother level of honor towards humanity. I, I learned how to be a servant. I learned how to be a giver. I learned how to be somebody who wants to build their lives around people who wanted to move in the same direction. I learned what it meant to be in the context of God's family. I learned these things in the church and they are rich and valuable and we offer all of that here at New Walk. Don't be a tumbleweed Christian. Dig in. I do have to say, and I think I addressed this six months ago on a completely different topic, but let's just be honest. We've even seen uh, pastors that have moral failures in church and it affects the church deeply. And I understand that. Like that, that, that can happen. We're talking about a man who failed. I've seen in those moments, and you have as well, potentially, where it's devastating to the church. And I've watched in those moments as half or more of the congregation leave because of the pastor's failure. I have to wonder, I don't want to be too mean about it, but like, nothing like that. But I have to wonder of all those people that exited in a moment like that, how many of them exited because they had their trust in the man, the pastor, and not their trust rooted in Jesus? It's all about Jesus. I say this all the time here at our church. Don't, don't put your faith and trust in Gary. I, I, I did not provide the way to salvation. I didn't. Put your trust in Jesus. He is the pathway. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. Put your trust and your growth in him. Uh, Psalm 118 and verse eight. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in who? Man, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes above all Trust in God. Here's the last thing. Be willing to pay the price to grow. Whatever it takes, pay the price. To, whatever it takes to grow. I touched on this earlier and even several times in this series. Like, whatever that is, God, I'll lay it out before you and say, I am ready to grow. But it isn't easy to submit and say, okay, I, I hear it. And I'm ready to jump in and say, whatever that price is, Lord, I'm ready. Let, let's be truthful about this. Anything in your life that you want to grow in, anything, is not going to happen kind of sitting around and like not being all in and being lazy. 
If you're gonna grow in anything in your life, there's a price to pay. There's a cost. It's not easy. You wanna have a better marriage? Are you gonna have a better marriage just sitting around doing nothing about it? No. Some of you are trying it that way. It's not working. You have to put some work into it. You want to have a better financial life? Uh, you want to have better finances? Is that going to happen just sitting around doing nothing? No, you got to put some effort into uh, changing things in the landscape of your finances. You want to have a better household, family? You got to put some work in it. You want to be better physically fit? It's not going to happen sitting around. You got to put some effort into it. We know that in anything in life that we want to see something better happen, there's going to be an effort that has to be put in it. It's going to be uncomfortable at times, and that's a reminder for you spiritually. There was uh, a few guys that uh, approached Jesus in this moment and uh, they were interested in following Jesus and Jesus knew their heart. They, they said they wanted to follow him, but they didn't, they, went, they didn't really, they didn't really. And so he knew it already, but I want you to just look at this dialogue here in Luke chapter nine. It says this in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Oh yeah, man, I heard you heal people and all that stuff and turn loaves and fishes multiplied, all that. I think uh, you'd be amazing to follow. Well, Jesus already knew his heart. He was saying he wanted to follow, but did he really want to pay the price? And he responds here, it says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He, he's saying like, it's not gonna be easy. In this moment, he's saying, what you think this is is not what it is. There's a process, there's an effort, there's a journey, and I don't think you're ready because you're probably looking for comfortability and everything about this is uncomfortability. And so to the first guy, he's like, let's face it, man. You want this, but you, you, you don't want to put the effort in. Another one said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, see, see, first me, let me go and bury my father. And that, you know, is, uh, yeah, it makes sense to go bury your father. But remember, Jesus knew their heart already. They were saying they wanted to follow but he knew really deep down inside they didn't. Let's see what sweet sensitive Jesus says in return. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Whoa. You know what he's saying? He's like, number one, I know you're not ready because you said you want to follow me and the first thing you said is I need to go back. That's already problematic, but what about dad and, and burying Dad, you know what? I have to think Jesus knew in that moment. Like, I know about your dad, and, and I know maybe, maybe your dad did some amazing things. Like, may, maybe that was the case. This guy's dad was an amazing dad and did some really incredible things in that man's life. But, but I'm Jesus. I'm God. I want to be a father to you in a way that you've never been fathered before. Come follow me as your father. Or maybe, some of you can relate to this, like, maybe his father was a mess, uh, maybe his father didn't teach him anything great. Maybe his father was awful in certain situations or abandonment or whatever it is. Hey, you know something? I know you were brought up in that, but come follow me and discover what a real father is. Either way, he's saying like, let's go if you really want to go. He wasn't really ready to go. And then there's another one. Three guys. We don't hear from them ever again. 
And the next one says, still another, I will follow you, Lord. Here it is, but first, me, me, me. Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, makes complete sense. Let's go say goodbye to our family. But in this moment, Jesus knowing he's really not ready, this guy already balks at it, first thing he wants to do is, is go back. And I, I think the same way about dad as I do family. Like, you may have had a great family, and saying goodbye to them, of course, would be a really big deal, but perhaps Jesus also understands, like, I got a new family. Like, that was not your family of choice. You were born into that, but now I wanna give you a family of choice, a family of God, something new to be a part of, something different. Why don't you come with this family because this family's got something new. Maybe you didn't have a good family situation at all. You know, sometimes our family, good or bad, they put us in a box, and they put us in a paradigm and say, this is your life, this is the way you're gonna live, poverty, whatever it looks like, greed, materialism. Uh, maybe your family puts you in the box of race or an ethnicity and says, this is the way it's kind of always going to be. And you break out of that when you follow Jesus and say, there's a new family for me. God wants to show me a new paradigm, a new thing for my life. God's calling him out and saying, let me, let me show you a new family. Let me show you a new way to live. Three guys. Jesus replied, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Moving forward, I'm willing. I want to go, but do you want to grow? I want to go, but do you, do you really want to go? And you have a pastor who's challenging and saying, come on, let, let's go. And being willing to say, okay, I, I'm ready. No image, no facades. Let's just, let's take the next step. Contrast that response to Matthew 4, 18. Two guys we know a lot about in the scriptures. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will now make you, look, I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately, what? Left their nets, and they followed him. He says, come on, let's go, let's grow, let, let's do this. And whatever area you're trying to protect it, just, let's just let it go. We're gonna, all of it, all of it, Lord, whatever it is, I'm ready, let, let's go. Some reminds me, I, I see sometimes I go to different places, I see people when they eat food, there, there are some people that eat food and they section it off and they don't want anything on the plate touching anything. I don't know if there's anybody here like that. And then you have others who are like, I don't care if it touches. As a matter of fact, it could all mash up and I really don't care. Uh, how many of you would say you're the sectional, like you don't want really stuff touching stuff. Is there anybody here like, okay, that's your story. Now, is there anybody here you'd say, no, I don't care if it touches, mash it, whatever. Like it's not a problem for me. A lot of, you know, I just say this right now. In your walk with God, Jesus is like, let's mash it all up. He wants it all. Not sections and this year can't touch this over. He wants it all. And if you're a part of a healthy and vibrant church, they will be pushing you to say, Jesus wants it all. And if you respond to stuff like that, you'll say, this is a place I want to put my roots down. In just a moment, we're about to have baptisms. Some of you don't want to be baptized because of your image. Because what will people think and what will people say? Facade. What will others think? I was baptized, you know, when I was a, a baby and maybe you haven't been baptized since and so you haven't been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. But what will people think that knew I was baptized as a baby? Image. 
facades. Some of you, like you say, you know what? You're, you're gonna come to the conclusion here in a minute. I, I need to be baptized. Push past all of that facade and say, I'm proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. That's what baptism does. And you can do that today. Maybe you didn't bring a, a change of clothes. We, we got a shirt we'll give you and we got a towel. We'll be ready for you. And it happened last service and all last night. People said, I wasn't planning on it, but I know I need to. You can push past that facade, that image, and say, it's time. I'm a believer in Christ, and I need to let others know in that public way that Jesus commands. So let's pray. Lord, we are ready to see all that you have in store with the baptisms. We thank God in advance right now what you're going to do. Maybe somebody right now is pushing past that image, that facade, and they're going to jump forward and say, it's time for me to be baptized. And that's amazing, God. Uh, others here in this room, we just think about our church and digging in and putting in roots, God, and saying, okay, I'm in a world where everybody jumps around and everybody withdraws and everybody moves on. Church has got to be, no, it's got to buck that trend and be a people that dig down deep. So Lord, right now, God, you're challenging us to dig in, to dig in, to not be a statistic of wandering, wandering people in the wilderness right now, maybe there's somebody here uh, watching, a large crowd here live, some people may be watching online, but perhaps you're, you're here right now, you, you're not a believer, and you want to cross over that line of faith, that line of faith that says, I am a believer, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, and I admit I have sinned, I have fallen short. Uh, God, you have a standard, and I've missed it. I admit that. But today, I see you, Lord, as the pathway to forgiveness, the gift of Jesus Christ been offered for me, the blood shed on the cross required by God for the forgiveness of sin, pure blood sacrifice. Once and for all, I receive that gift, that sacrifice. I am ready to become a believer. Maybe somebody right now, Lord, in this audience is becoming a believer and they can encounter the most amazing thing. They can become a believer today and be baptized just a few minutes later. You can do that crossing over that line of faith and saying, God, I believe in the gift of Jesus and I am ready to publicly confess him. He's Lord and Savior of my life. Start following you, God, not man, not people, but you. In Jesus' name, amen.